0: Twitter for me is that I can mute individual words. I don't have to mute people. And I think that's one of the problems in our world is if you disagree with somebody, people just want to cut cut other people out of their lives completely because they disagree. Facebook, you unfollow that sort of thing, but it's still going to creep in. On Twitter, I feel like I have more tools that aren't directed towards the person.
1: You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of U.S. Sales and Marketing for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform allowing you to leverage the power of your verified reviews. Listen in as I interview leaders in the industry, getting their backstories and their journey to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 257 of The Real Estate Sessions Podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. And I get to finally interview a guest I've been chasing for quite a while. In fact, we'll probably talk about that. My guest today is Missy Bentley. Missy is a realtor with EXP Realty in Evansville, Indiana. She is a huge sports fan. She loves Twitter, and we're going to talk about that. She's also all about relationships. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a lot more. I'm very excited to have her on the show. Missy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for having me taking a while to get to this
1: point. I was going to start with that. It has been, I've, I've looked at my, it's been over a year, Missy, that I've been trying to get you on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I know some, a lot of it was scheduling, but a lot of it was, you were just kind of like, well, you know, we'll just get to it later. Is there a reason?
0: No, real life and being in the RV.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about that RVs. I think uh, sprint cars. Am I right there on the right v- uh, race tracks?
0: No, my husband would have a heart attack if he heard you oh, say that. Oh, <laughs> he's not a dirt
1: track guy. I'm sorry. No, he's but, a
0: dirt. He's a oh, dirt track guy, but it's the modifieds and late models.
1: Oh, I got you. Awesome. Let's talk a little racing before we get too deep in this. This is great. I love this. <laughs> um, there's other legend cars. I'm trying to think of some of the other things I've seen on the little tracks that I've been to around the country.
0: You know, it's. It's crazy. There's something different at every track, it feels like. Okay. Yeah. We were in Nebraska, I guess, the first of, gosh, September, I guess. First to mid part of September. And they had sprint cars, late models, modified. And what I loved is they had the old school street stock cars. Oh, boy. Like, you, you grew up on seeing, you know, from the 70s and 80s, the somebody just got a car out of their out of their garage and (laughs) decided, Hey, let's have a hobby. And we're going to go out and race it. And it was interesting to see because we went with a group that's much younger. They had never really experienced it. And that's what I grew up on. So for me, I was a big fan of the movie six pack with Kenny Rogers growing up. Wow. (laughs) You can go ahead and laugh. It's okay. No, that's great. (laughs) But that's, that's what I was imagining watching these cars go around the track was Kenny Rogers or somebody, one of that group is going to pop out of one of the cars. But it was a it was a good time.
1: I love that. Tony Stewart isn't he from Mm -hmm. around kind of your parts? My guess is you have to have run into him or something at a track somewhere. Because didn't he like to come out even during his NASCAR heyday? He'd still go back and race.
0: Oh yeah, and he's still he's from just up up in the Indy area, which is about two and a half hours north of me. He actually owns a couple of dirt tracks now and holds hosts. Some of the biggest dirt track races in the industry over in Ohio at Eldora Speedway. He's friends with some of our, we have mutual friends, so it's not uncommon to see him or Kenny Schrader or Kenny Wallace or several of the former NASCAR guys. It's not uncommon to see them camping with us at some point.
1: Wow. Look, I could do an hour on NASCAR. It's such a fascinating sport. And I know that it gets a bum rap from a lot of people because it's, you know, they oh, it's so boring. They're just going around in circles. They just have no clue what happens, what 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 goes into even it even for your husband putting that car together and making everything work the right way and just it's just so cool. But but I, I probably should move off of it for a little while. <laughs> let's, let's talk first of all, you live in Evansville, right? So the, uh, you, the tri-state area, you call it. So that's going to be Indiana, Kentucky, and. Illinois. Good. Thank you. That's why I'm, that's why I'm asking <laughs> you these questions. So for, 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 for an East coast, West coast guy like me, I've never lived in the middle of the country and should have paid a lot more attention at school, uh, to my geography class. <laughs> tell tell me about where you grew up and what it's like there and why you love it so much.
0: I think the big thing is most people don't really know where Evansville is. So. To describe it perfectly, it would kind of be if you drew a triangle from St. Louis up to Indianapolis and then down to Nashville, make that a triangle. Evansville is smack dab in the middle of that triangle. So we've got all three cities two and a half hours away. We've got Cincinnati three, three and a half, depending on how you drive to the east. I've got Louisville an hour and a half away. It's close enough that we can do a lot of day trips, but we can also get out of the chaos and come back to. To our area,
1: you you told me before we went on before we started recording this episode that you grew up in Kentucky. Whereabouts in Kentucky?
0: Um, Henderson, actually, which is just on the other side of Evansville. It's kind of like Minneapolis, Saint Paul, the little suburbs and such. I grew up on the Kentucky side of the bridge.
1: Okay, I <laughs> got it. It seems to me like there's two distinct. When you talk about just Indiana, there is there a Northern Indiana and a Southern Indiana that are very different.
0: There absolutely is. Basically, the northern half thinks that Indiana stops at Indianapolis. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs>
0: and my husband has family that lives up in Indy, in the Indy area, and they they call us in Evansville, they call us Evans, Tucky. They think it's an insult, but to me, growing up in Kentucky, I'm like, eh, you wish you should be so lucky. But it's very, you know, the people are very different. There's, you know, you hear about who's your hospitality. That's true across the state, it is, but the further south you go, obviously the more cordial and everybody treats you like family. I yeah. tell people Evansville is the biggest small town that you'll ever live in
1: wow which which probably makes it really fun to be a realtor there, so which we'll get to going forward, yeah, yeah, French Lick, how close are you?
0: <laughs> you know it because of the golf courses
1: well and and Larry, but one of the both oh. of those things, yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I didn't even think about Larry Bird. Shame on me. That was my grandmother's favorite. I was a magic girl. I love what? Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. My my grandmother was a Larry Bird fan, so she okay. she's probably rolling over in her grave with shame at me at this point for not thinking Larry Bird. When I think Larry Bird, I think Tara Holt because he went to Indiana State. Gotcha. Which is an hour, hour and a half, too.
1: Okay, that makes sense. That's where he really, that's where he, his name started and, and continued to grow from there. I, I'm going to get to the Tennessee volunteers in a minute because I know that you you went to school there, but I want to talk about on the professional side of things, because of your location, you, you have like this menu of options you could choose from, right? Like growing up, like who do you go? Like I, I mean, do you head north to Indianapolis or do you go over to St. Louis or I don't know. I'm thinking maybe you might go southeast to the American League East champion Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know. Where do you go?
0: (laughs) I don't think I'd be bragging about the Rays after the game last night.
1: Okay. It's just one game. It's all right.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Locally, it's, it's interesting because of where we're situated. Locally for pro teams, the fans all seem to be split. You're either a Cardinal fan, you're a Cub fan, or you're a Reds fan for baseball. It's very it's very divided, but almost divided equally between the three. And then okay. there's me. You were close. I did go southeast, but I stopped in Atlanta. Ah. Uh, I'm a Braves fan.
1: Was it TBS that drew you there? I mean, every game was on television when you were younger. I mean, it was so cool.
0: That was part of it. But my dad, uh, before he passed away, he was an air traffic controller, and he was based out of Atlanta, Hartsfield, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And... As a kid i got to meet dale murphy wow nice and so that kind of sucked me in and then of course we went through the 90s and had the glory days of my trio of pitchers and chipper jones and i've just i've been a Braves fan ever since
1: yeah that uh, what a run what a run they had with maddox glab and smoltz i mean that that was that was a fun time. I, although there was this one year where the San Diego Padres um, did beat them in 1998, and <laughs> so they can promptly get swept by the Yankees in the World Series. I'll talk about that later. Um, let's you see. Know what?
0: Let's go ahead and talk about the Yankees in the World Series because, as a <laughs> Kentucky fan, I love when the Yankees are in the World Series. Because historically, typically, when Kentucky basketball wins the NCAA, that's when the Yankees win the World Series. So.
1: Not something I knew. Uh that's great. So you're you're kind of pulling for the Yankees, meaning that there's gonna be a great march for you at Kentucky basketball. Well, now let's you grew up a, you grew up in Kentucky. I think you you got your masters at Kentucky. But Correct. somehow, somehow, Missy, you decided to go to Tennessee for your undergrad degree. What 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 drew you over to Tennessee?
0: Growing up as a kid, it was kind of my happy place. My father passed away when I was eleven. But Mm, the Smoky Mountains were kind of our go-to. That's where we always, I mean, we would, he would take me out of school for a month, get my assignments ahead of time. And we would just go vacation and hike in the Smokies. And that was, that was our life. So it always had my heart as a kid. And the Smokies was the last trip that I took with my dad before he passed away. So it just kind of held a special place in my heart. And then when I got to researching different schools and I was a nerd, I had a 4.0, so I had a lot of scholarships based anywhere I wanted to go, but mm-hmm. something about the mountains of Tennessee just kept calling to me. And that's where I ended up.
1: That's, that's awesome. Do you support Tennessee or do you support Kentucky since you attended both universities?
0: My happiest day in sports is when Tennessee and Kentucky play each other. Because again, even when I lose, I win. I love Tennessee, but obviously when it comes down to choosing between the two, I mean, I grew up in Kentucky. I grew up watching Kentucky basketball. My heart's always going to be, my heart's going to bleed blue.
1: So, you know, Sean Carpenter, I mean, he's a a gator through and through, and you know, I know that's a pain for people that have to pay attention to that. Um, But tell me you know, what would you say to Sean about, you know, Kentucky versus Florida? Where where's the win for you?
0: Well, for one with the football team, (laughs) Kentucky football, bless their hearts. They they're trying, they're turning it around, but they went for so many years. I think, you know, 30 something years and never beating Florida. Yeah. So Kentucky always had the bragging ability of basketball. And then when Billy Donovan left, Kentucky as an assistant to take over the program at Florida, they turned their basketball program around and there was some bad blood there between the coaches and Kentucky fans never forget anything. <laughs> and I it really stemmed from that that somebody was creeping on our territory, but yeah. I think we've proven who the dominant team was.
1: You you have basketball, <laughs> they'll they'll probably always have football, right? I mean, that's right. just the way that that goes.
0: You know, can I say one thing about Sean though?
1: Oh yeah, go for it.
0: He knew what he was doing because he married up because his wife is a Kentucky grad.
1: (laughs) She is. And then his two kids are in South Carolina and and Mississippi State, which is awesome. While you're in school, did you know you're going to go into radio? Was that part of what you were thinking about? You were going to go into the media in some way, shape or form?
0: Not at all. I actually went to school. My degree is in early childhood education, which is what my heart is. I love teaching. I love teaching people. And I will say the early childhood education, because I had a special uh, specialization in behavior modification, both come in very handy in real estate. But rate
1: yeah, I was gonna <laughs> radio go there. was
0: never on my map.
1: So how's that happen?
0: Kind of by chance. I was home from college. I was waiting for my teaching jobs to start, and I was helping. You're going to laugh when I tell you this story. I hope. I was helping with a youth group at my uncle's my uncle's church he's the pastor there and it was just a small kentucky church baptist church you know cliche as can be but they didn't have a lot of money but they had a youth group that was growing and expanding but the church van was a clunker and this was back when exhibit had his show on mtv called pimp my ride yeah
1: i know i'm already (laughs) laughing go ahead
0: (laughs) Well, me being me, you know, if people are broke, people are broke. They don't have any money. So I thought, hey, what better way to not only get an outreach for the kids, but see if we can get a free church van. I guarantee you nobody's submitting a church van. So I submitted it to the show and got all the way through almost to the finals. So the local radio station at the time, um, The Apprentice with Donald Trump had just Mm -hmm. started or was getting ready to start, and the radio station was running a local apprentice contest, and one of the hosts heard my story about submitting our church van to Pimp My Ride, and he said, that girl thinks out of the box. There's nobody else that would ever do that. Let's get her in here and have her compete in this contest, so –
1: Wow, that's that is a great story. I love um <laughs> Pimp My Ride. I watched that show religiously. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> they did some amazing stuff to those cars. That was cool. Okay, did you win the apprentice on the radio show?
0: I did not. I oh, okay. actually came in second.
1: Oh. But
0: it it worked out because the, when they were needing they were going to give the the winner, they were going to give them a job at the radio station. I was still under contract for my teaching job. So she served through the summer. I took the summer off eventually the the program director he called me said, "Hey, you're the one that I want. Let's do this and it timing just kind of worked out perfectly, and the radio career took off
1: so how long were you were you in that world?
0: Six years okay, yeah,
1: and then another career kind of pops up somehow. I know, I know you talked about teaching, but, um, you end up, you end up getting into real estate. So how does, there's always a story there every time I talk to a guest, you know, because generally speaking, it's not the first career. I think it's less than 10 people of the 250 I've interviewed knew they're going to be a realtor as a teenager. So how does that pop up?
0: Yeah. um, The funny thing is I was actually in real estate before I was in any of them because I was While I was working on my master's, I had a friend who owned a local brokerage. He was needing help, needing somebody to answer the phones. I said, sure, I can do it when I'm in town. Not a big deal. Give me a little bit extra money for school. Signed on as the receptionist in the office. And then I ended up becoming the, getting my license as soon as I graduated with my master's. Went ahead, because summertime evenings, what else are you going to do? Went ahead and got my license in Kentucky and took over as the broker's assistant. And I've been dabbling. I've had my license since 99. Wow. So even when I was working in the other positions, I was still doing something in real estate on the side.
1: Okay. And so that makes it a lot easier then to make that decision to then go full time, right? Yeah.
0: What happened right. with that is our morning show, my other two co-hosts were moving to Houston, Texas to take a show down there. I didn't wanna to move to Houston. I had absolutely no desire, so I thought, Hey, what better time let's Let's go at it full time and that's where I've been ever since
1: on on your morning show were you were you Missy bentley?
0: at times, most of the time, I was producer, Missy, which kind of ties into the whole real <laughs> estate thing, you know
1: I like that. I think that's cool, yeah, that's awesome so who's who'd you start with? who was your first broker?
0: Um, it was a local brokerage. A gentleman by the name of Bob Legate. Okay. He took me under his wing and taught me the business and we kind of went from there.
1: And I know that, you know, you talk about teaching and that sort of thing. Did that did that pop up quickly for you in the world of real estate or were you an agent for quite a while before you decided to kind of before you discovered that you could do those sorts of things and really help people?
0: Um, kind of a little bit of both. Being in Kentucky and being in Henderson, which was a town of 30,000 people, the market is totally different than the market over here on this side of the bridge. So it was, it was one of those things that I was able to get in and learn the business. And then when he would disappear, want to go on vacation, I could take over and kind of help the agents through their struggles. But yet at the same time, I mean, I was 25, 26, had a lot to learn at that age. So. yeah
1: yeah that's true um uh, look, looking at some of the things you've done i have to ask you what is um love it evv magazine
0: oh it's a local publication that uh one of our local entrepreneurs they started we have several of evansville type magazines and love it is the one that caters more to single 18 to 25 that type of demographic about local events and different things that they need to know to help them become well-rounded good with their money investment that type of thing
1: so you contribute to that with articles about different things yep. okay yep. so let's see so so now i've got writer i know you're a consultant you're a realtor a trainer you could run a radio show in your sleep if you wanted to <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot on your what if I made you pick your favorite, what would you pick? Gosh.
0: I would say probably the writer and the trainer. Although I do still love doing stand-up comedy. I will say that.
1: I forgot that <laughs> one. I did forget that one, yeah. Well, that's
0: part of the radio gig, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've always had the heart of a teacher since I was a little kid. And now I'm finally in a position where I'm able to work with agents who might need a little bit of help in social media or having been a managing broker i know the ins and outs of a brokerage and it's really nice to take the younger and not even just the younger but just the newer agents under my wing and show them how things should be done with the client first rather than themselves
1: when somebody was around at the beginning of the social media explosion. I call that 2008-ish, seven, eight, nine. And you were there. You were a part of it. <clears throat> you were an early adopter. And I know you're an early adopter because <laughs> you love Twitter. And I love Twitter too. Not as much as you. That—that <laughs> you That is your go-to network. I'm not even going to ask you what your go-to network is. I can tell. Um, and it's a great outlet for for you to then have some fun as well. Right? And mm-hmm. I think that's why my guess is, that's why your customers like to work with you because you've got a great sense of humor. You have a lot of fun, but you also know what you're doing and you can help people, you know, find what they're looking for or get the outcome they're looking for. But uh, um, let's talk about Twitter for a second You know how much you like that and, and, um, and uh, you know, and why it's so important to you. And also you should give out your handle so people know how to find you.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> they may not want to <laughs> after this, but okay. <laughs> we'll do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, Yeah, I think I've been on Twitter since the beginning. Uh, I ended up changing accounts once I left the radio station because there were just so many followers and it was just so much to keep up with that I ended up switching, changing my handle and narrowing my account down. But Twitter for me, as far as social media goes, it's, it's my happy place. It's the place that, one, that there aren't a lot of people, especially locally. Everybody wants to be on Facebook. I'm not knocking Facebook. I just, being from a smaller area, if I see you at the Target two hours before, I don't need to also come home and I already know what's going on in your life because I just had a conversation with you. Yeah. I don't need to see all of your pictures and hear your rants and that sort of thing. And with Twitter, there aren't a lot of people in our area on it. But when it comes to the search functions and really honing in to the conversations. I feel like I can go so much deeper there. And you know, as well as I do that real estate is a relationship business. And to me, the conversation is the relationship. That's where it all begins is with the conversation. And it's much easier to do that on Twitter than it is on Facebook for me.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think when I, when I talk to a group of people and, and we talk about their favorite networks, and or they want you're running down a list of the networks, you go, okay, who in here uses Twitter? In a room of fifty people, how many raise their hand? A couple, you know. And I say, great. A little tiny piece of my heart just died again because you know <laughs> it's the place I like to go hang out, and you know, there are some really smart people in the industry sharing some cool information. Plus, you can have some fun there. I mean, it's just a. It's I think it gets obviously it's been changed by. Life and politics and things, and I think people, you know, um, that's happened across every social network. I think Twitter's just got its own special place in that world at the moment, so I think that it gets kind of pushed aside, you know. But I, I agree with you, I think it's a great place to have conversations.
0: And I, I agree, Dustin Brome, he and I just had this conversation because he's very anti Twitter, he's all in on Facebook, yeah. And I keep telling, which by the way, he's if you'll follow him. He's creeping into Twitter more and more the more he's around me.
1: I see that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But t- Twitter, yes, it has changed with just the world that we live in these days. But the beauty of Twitter for me is that I can mute individual words. I don't have to mute people. And I think that's one of the problems in our world is if you disagree with somebody, people just want to cut, cut other people out of their lives completely because they disagree. Facebook, you unfollow that sort of thing, but it's still going to creep in on Twitter. I feel like I have more tools that aren't directed towards the person. It's more so the word and the topic. And I can clear that out of my timeline and my timeline is happy. I mean, we're talking sports, soap operas, random bad jokes. I mean, you know, you follow me. It could be anything on any given day.
1: RV life. And that's
0: what I love. (laughs) RV life. But yet at the same time. Twitter, for those of us in smaller markets, back when we could actually have real estate conferences in person, for those of us in smaller markets, it made it so much easier to gain knowledge from the conferences because people are going to them and they're live tweeting. And I could follow the, the conferences and get the information in real time and help me stay ahead of the curve when it comes to my customers rather than wait for the information to trickle down and by the time it reaches here in Evansville, which operates behind the rest of the country for the most part anyway, yeah. it's really out of date. So
1: Yeah, I like that. I like the way you think there. It's uh I've done a little bit of that live tweeting. Sean Carpenters though is an expert. I'm bringing up Sean again. I'll stop that. Um <laughs> look I you're pretty open with your opinions. You know, you 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 you, you talk freely about what's happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. If I if I put you on the spot here and said you know what's right with the industry in 2020 and what's wrong, I'm just going to ask for a couple of things. What would you say?
0: Should we do a compliment sandwich?
1: Oh, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um,
0: the one thing that I do like is I think the COVID world kind of forced everybody's hand, and I think realtors have done a really good job of adapting to the industry changes. You and I are in the tech industry side of real estate. So we knew the changes were coming. But I feel like the COVID world kind of sped those changes up. And overnight, realtors had to change their business. And I think for the most part, everybody has been really supportive of each other and really encouraging to try to move the industry forward, which has been much needed for quite some time.
1: Nice. How, how about on the negative side? Where do we, where do we need to work?
0: Uh, I think the, my biggest complaint is that within the industry, I feel like you have the East Coast and the West Coast, and there are a ton of talented, smart, forward-thinking agents in the middle of the country, and not just in the middle of the country, in the bigger cities like St. Louis, Nashville, Indy, but in the smaller markets. You know, you've got somebody, you've got Eric Hatch in Fargo, North Dakota. You've got, I don't want to give their names because they'll probably shoot me, (laughs) but there are other agents, you know, what about the agents in Evansville, in Paducah, Kentucky, Carbondale, Illinois? You know, I feel like the majority of agents in the industry are actually in mid to smaller markets. And I just don't feel like they get enough respect from the real estate community as a whole, because most people don't know that their towns exist. And I think as an industry, that's something that we really need to work on. And I know you're you're big with Inman, and I was happy to see with Inman Connect, everything had to be virtual this time. And I did notice that they were trying to branch out towards the Midwest markets, but at the same time, what's going on in Indianapolis real estate is not the same thing that's happening in Evansville or Henderson Kentucky or you know Somerset Kentucky the smaller markets. I feel like there's still a huge disconnect there and that's something that I'm working with I'm going to be working with Dustin on and we're really I'm really passionate about getting that changed because there's a lot of talented agents that are being overlooked and ignored by the industry because they don't live in a major metro area.
1: You know, I mean, you make me think of, um, Linda Hobkirk, right in, uh, mm-hmm. Rogers or Bentonville, Arkansas, right. I got to have her on the show and it was great hearing some of the things she's doing, there's gotta be more of that. And I think, you know what? I think that's a, that could be a direct challenge for me as well. Start finding some of those agents that are doing cool things in little towns. So I'm going to lean on you maybe for a referral or two.
0: what i was going to say your your show is one of the few that does feature people which is one of the things that really drew me to your show was it's really hard for me to relate to an agent in new york city who's doing you know five million dollar deals when our average price point is 150. so the fact that you do have people like linda loved her loved her episode i mean it was great the fact that you do have people like that on your show means a lot to the smaller agents like me and I rave about you to everybody, but say on the opposite side too, it's up to the smaller agents, the small town agents to start thinking more globally rather than just locally. And I feel like there's so many that should be trying to promote themselves and reach out and learn more about other markets as well. So, you know, it's a two-sided coin. It's got to be a two-way street. Yeah. But you also have to be, I know from being from a small town, you have to almost be one of them or have a connection into the small town for them to finally open up and trust people.
1: That makes sense. And that's, that's part of that. Um, That's part of growing up in a small town, right? How everybody's looking out for everybody. Everybody knows who everybody is. I've never experienced that. I mean, I grew up in San Diego, lived in Phoenix and and now we're in the Tampa St. Pete area, all major metro areas. Uh, but I hear the stories, and uh, it's it's something that I'll never get to experience. And I think uh, you're better off for having that those that background. I think it's a great thing.
0: I I didn't appreciate it as much when I was younger, mm-hmm. but having my uncle was the football coach at the high school. You know, my grandparents were teachers. My great grandfather was the mayor of Henderson. I mean. I've always had those connections The people knew what I was doing before I even did it. It felt like, yeah. but when I came back from Tennessee and I got into the radio, it really helped because people felt like they already knew me and they welcomed us into their home every morning to have conversations. And I feel like that's what the, the real estate industry needs to work on is let's figure out how to get those conversations started because once you can make, Start making conversations and develop those relationships, the knowledge is there, and I think it would help both sides of the industry.
1: I really look forward to seeing what you and Dustin you know kind of put together that's intriguing so uh, that could be a lot of fun um, <laughs> definitely keep me in the loop I think that's that's a great that's a great matchup <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> Well, Missy, I've had you here um, well past the time I asked of you, and you've heard me say that a million times on the show. Um, but you know what's coming. <laughs> There's a question that I have asked every guest, and that is, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business?
0: I would say, don't be afraid to laugh at yourself, because I feel like so many in the real estate industry take everything so seriously, and it is serious. It's a serious business, but at the same time. You got to have fun. And if you're not having fun, why are you in the industry? Because your clients are going to know. And when you're laughing, you can make anybody do anything if you can make them laugh. I mean, that will instantly develop a relationship for you. So laugh at yourself. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be perfect. And I think that's something that's, that's forgotten a lot in our industry.
1: Missy, if somebody wants to reach out to you and talk to you about, you know, consulting or, or, or or racing late models around a dirt track, what's the best way for them to get in (laughs) touch with you?
0: (laughs) I would say obviously Twitter or Instagram. I am on Facebook. I don't use it. You know, I don't use it nearly as much. Um, but on all of my platforms, my handle is the Mojo Missy. So
1: yeah, very easy to find you. So missy i I am so glad we finally got a chance to chat in person it really is the first time we've ever talked to each other right on this this episode we've tweeted quite a bit but i don't think we've ever had a conversation before and no i don't think so yeah thank you so much for 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 finding the time and uh and i really look forward to what what to following you on twitter and following. now i gotta really pay attention to dustin and you know so he's loving that Um, but (laughs) (laughs) so i i appreciate it and have uh, thank you so much for your time today well, thanks for having me. Thank you for here. listening to the real estate sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash re sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the real estate and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released.